A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hello, dear listeners. I'm Michael Stevens. And I'm Shelly Brooks. And welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot. The podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the films that turned you on to them. This week's episode is a little bit different from what we normally do. Mm -hmm. We don't have a special guest. Instead, we're going to talk about a very popular element of our favorite films that you might be familiar with, the original motion picture soundtrack. Oh, hold it. Hey! Oh, the, the kids. children love it. They oh, love the soundtrack. The children love it. Oh, they're so excited. So, uh, what are we trying to do here? Um, Great question. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are primarily a movie podcast. We're a horny podcast, but we're a movie yeah. podcast. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's not all about the actors, baby. They might think so, but yeah, it's they might. not. Yeah. Uh. It ain't. There's so many other elements um, exactly. that can spark inspiration, emotion, mm-hmm. desire. Yeah. Uh, a, a large part of that is the soundtrack. And so mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of different kinds of soundtracks that you might be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so Why there's you break orchestra- down what some of those are? Ooh. Thank you, Shelley. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) so uh there are orchestral film scores that you might be familiar with john williams danny elfman Mm -hmm. uh henry mancini 
Yes. How we got some instruments going? playing while the uh, images oh. are going. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, there's movie musical soundtracks, West Side mm -hmm. Story. Your mom's um, favorite movie? My mom's favorite movie. Thank you for remembering that. Of, She'll be how very... could I forget? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, what other movie musical sound? I mean, y'all know what it is. Yeah, Singing in the Rain, <laughs> uh, The Bandwagon. Uh, oh, there we the classics. go. Classics, come on. American Paris. <laughs> and then there's music from the film. So soundtracks like the Pulp Fiction soundtrack or, or any Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm -hmm. um, Very famously, Martin Scorsese's yeah. movies where he uses the stones in like every semi-contemporary movie he makes. Oh, of course. And <laughs> how can we forget uh, Shelley's favorite movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Shelley, big fan of James Gunn and his soundtrack movies. Oh, um, just so fun. The little tree guy and the raccoon guy. And yeah. the, the green Those are their guy. Names. Yeah. <laughs> All that space stuff. I love it. Um, and then there's also music inspired by the film, um, which a lot of times it fe these are soundtracks that feature uh, songs that aren't even really in the movie. And so mm -hmm. uh, the, a good ex what's a good example of this? I mean, the, a, the first... another example of this could be uh, the way that they do Oscar grabs and do, you know, an ending credits song that oh. you don't really need. <laughs> yeah. But it's a yeah. good way to get yeah. an Oscar because it's always yeah. a pretty thin category. <laughs> True. Oh, God. Uh, there's also uh, the first CD I ever bought. So I bought two CDs mm -hmm. um, my first time buying my own CD. Uh <laughs> The first one was the Spider-Man soundtrack, which featured sure. a lot of songs that weren't in the movie. Um, mm. A lot of, you know, uh, sludge rock uh, <laughs> of the 2002 era. Yeah. Um, Web rock. And then the second the second album was Journey, but we're not a music podcast, oh, so we won't talk about that. <laughs> not yet, we're not. <laughs> mm. We keep moving in this direction. Who knows? <laughs> Um, yeah, and so, I mean, another thing that we wanted to discuss up top before we get into our main conversation about what some of our favorite soundtracks are, um, is the difference between diegetic and non-diegetic music in the movies. Um, you know, diegetic music would be music that's, like, actually being played within the scenario of the film. Um, so when a character, you know, puts on a record and they're doing a little dance to it, that's going to be some diegetic sound. Um, non-diegetic would be sort of like the incidental music. It would be the score that the characters would not be hearing, but that we as the audience hear that creates mood, creates tension. Um, yeah, fleshes out the scene that we're watching. And so diegetic music for something like a musical would be when anytime, anytime someone opens their mouth to sing a song because it's part of the story. It's mm. part of how they communicate. And then... Is there non-diegetic music in musicals? This is actually a great question, and I feel like I would need to ask a sort of scholar of musicals about this, because it does raise the question of, within the reality of the scenario, are the characters singing, or are we getting the impression of them singing because of the nature of the form, you know? 
Like, and I think that there are some musicals that sort of mix up those functions. Like, like I mentioned in American in Paris earlier, you know, they've got some scenes where people are just breaking into song because they got a lot of feelings happening. But then there are other scenes where like, you know, someone's performing in a nightclub or someone's like in a cafe and starts playing on the piano. And then it turns into like a big number with an orchestra, even though there's no orchestra there. So I think it gets kind of tricky in musicals. This shit is going to have me spinning (laughs) for days. Lying awake at night, staring at the ceiling. I I will not sleep for several months trying to figure out what this is. Yeah. If I I start singing a song Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. is that diegetic music or is it non-diegetic music? (laughs) Yeah, it's something that truly does, like I go into sort of like, brain wormholes being like well what does it count as and like do they recognize that those songs are being sung in the reality of this scenario what's happening god before we both spiral and have Mm -hmm. nervous breakdowns (laughs) let's put a pin in this part of the conversation i feel Mm -hmm. like that's a whole other episode i Um, agree i could go on about uh the dance in the gym and west side story and how it begins (sighs) with the band playing in reality. And then the mambo happens. What? Ah! And then the little ballet break with Tony and Maria. Okay, this is going to be... It? All right, we got to talk about the West Side Stories on a later date. My question for you, Shelley, is what is what would you say the value is of a soundtrack? And what has been your average relationship with... Uh, soundtracks yeah i mean it's a good question i think that um i mean something specific to this episode that we're doing you know we will probably revisit the idea of soundtracks at some point in the future Um, we have to there's too many soundtracks too many things exactly there's tons of them out there so we said you know specifically we wanted to focus on like existing songs that were on the soundtrack of a movie rather than talking about the score um and I, I have found myself, I don't do it as much anymore, but like, especially when I was like a teenager, I listened to a lot of film scores. Um, I particularly really loved um, George Delarue, who did a lot of Truffaut's films. Um, and that was interesting to me because I had this album that was like a collection of a bunch of different pieces from his Truffaut scores. And oh, I had seen fun. some of the movies, but I hadn't seen others of them. So... I had the experience of kind of reliving the movie by listening to some of the tracks and then also sort of like imagining a movie based on the score for others of them. Um, but yeah, wow. no, it's an interesting way to like both relive a movie, but also sort of contribute and recreate it for yourself. Because I mean, I think that so much of movie watching is not only the time that you spend actually watching the film, but also the way it sort of like shifts in your memory afterwards. Um, and that might not always be completely accurate to to what the movie actually is. Like, I mean, my impressions of movies so often change between when I'm actually watching them and then when I'm remembering them later. Um, I think like listening to the score is a really interesting way to do that, especially when you've got like, you know, maybe a kind of mediocre movie that happened to pick out a lot of great songs. It can really yep. transform your experience of the movie. And you might That's every end up Marvel having, movie. Yeah. And you might end up having like <laughs> such a like starkly different impression of it if you like go back and listen to the music instead of actually watching it. But uh, what about you? God. 
I, uh, that's kind of what I wrote down it, almost exactly. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it with my relationship with, with movie soundtracks. Um, I am an obsessive person and mm. developed a relationship with movies during a very obsessive period of my life. Uh, <laughs> as a young person, I was homeschooled. So, mm. um, like with everything that I say, please know that I was homeschooled as a child <laughs> and did not have Important friends. Context. <laughs> did not have friends. Movies were my social life. And so mm. um, that was just how I would occupy my uh, imagination. And I have a habit or had a habit of watching movies over and over and over and over again. Mm. And so the soundtrack was kind of listening to the soundtrack was kind of like a, a way to get back into reality without <laughs> um, kind of staying in that uh, fictional world, mm. um, kind of a, a compromise. And so there is a, there is a, I guess an opportunity to just listen to the soundtrack mm. and be in the world of, the movie for a little bit longer but also yes kind of co-create as well and have other i explore other thoughts about the movie or imagine other uh non-existing films um like look the 18th batman movie came out this year <laughs> um i love the soundtrack it's great um <laughs> i'm going to listen to it and imagine other movie, other Batman movies that aren't going to be made. Um, <laughs> and, you know, also other things that are not, dare I say, that are not Batman related Ooh. things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say the soundtrack for me is is just kind of another, it's a nice little dessert after yeah. the the main course of of watching a, a movie. And I think especially as a young person, like, you know, it's pretty atypical, I guess, in especially most American movies prior to like the 60s or so to have a soundtrack made up of existing songs because you, you know, through the Hollywood studios had, you know, contracted composers who would compose scores for the movies. Um, right. So I do think that starting around that time, and then I think especially probably in our childhood, like, I or teenage years, I did not listen to a lot of cool music. I listened to like Edith Piaf and like old musicals yeah. and things. So it was sort of, I guess, the way that I felt like I became introduced to the idea of cool music was through movie soundtracks. Like it was a lot oh, of for like, sure. Yeah, the music in Scorsese movies, the movie, the music in Tarantino movies. Like I felt like that, that it was almost as though I was given this like curated playlist by a friend who happened to have a great taste. Um, that's the whole point of directors yeah. like you're just <laughs> yeah. you're just uh, not moving the actors around or shaping their performances not oh yeah there's that not I mean, it's mostly to get a playlist <laughs> but that's i mean that's that's such I mean, a that's huge the whole part Zach Braff thing, right? <laughs> it's it's taste it's it's taste you know you're experiencing someone else's taste which is you know mm -hmm. i don't know and it's nice. you know the, it's very romantic. I mean, you see like on, you know, Instagram and TikTok and stuff now, the Gen Zers, uh, you know, will do these like short little videos like set to songs, like clearly aping stuff that they've seen in movies and TV. And like, you know, we didn't have those platforms when we were teens, but like, you know, I certainly walked to school listening to my iPad, listening to, you know, Nico sing these days, feeling like I was, um, 
uh, Margot Tenenbaum, you know, getting off the bus. Ah. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a the real romantic appeal to it. Oh, gosh, I have so many questions, but <laughs> I'm going to ask the ones that I wrote down. Uh, so <laughs> I guess going back to back in time, mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, like, what was your gateway track or the one track from a non-musical film that got you into the concept of, huh, soundtracks, those are a thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm ending up referencing the same people over and over again a lot in this conversation. Um, But, you know, when I was a teenager, I got really interested in film and wanted to know all about it and wanted to know, like, what were the things I had to see to be, like, an informed film viewer. Um, And so, you know, I'd always read about, like, the Scorsese needle drops. And I definitely, the first time I think I really noticed a soundtrack and, like, the way that it could transform a scene was in the Copacabana scene in Goodfellas. Um, So for anyone, I assume most people listening have seen Goodfellas, but if you haven't... Not me. Oh, Michael, <laughs> you would love it. I tried to watch it uh, during when I had COVID um, and I, I couldn't. Um, <laughs> I watched, I had to turn it off because I just, my attention span couldn't take it. And so I had to watch, unfortunately, well, actually, fortunately, Vacation <laughs> Friends instead. Okay. Um, love, love that movie. But um, I'm not familiar with Vacation Friends. No, we'll talk about it another day. Um, okay. <laughs> But when does this when does the song appear in Goodfellas? So there's this, you know, very iconic scene in the movie where, you know, our lead character Henry Hill takes his, you know, new paramour Karen uh, to the Copacabana. And, you know, the movie is like set in the scene is set in the 60s. Um, so it uses, you know, the very you know famous like 60s hit. And then he kissed me. Um, and there's a long tracking shot where he guides her through the back of the restaurant to their table and you see him like giving out cash to people like get, you know handing them tips and putting it in their pockets and like everyone knows him and he's like bantering with them and like busting their balls and you see her just like so overwhelmed by the, the whole glamour of this. And it's a single tracking shot that's like so, so incredible because I mean they're going up and down stairs and going through a busy kitchen and like the choreography is just incredible and like it really combining that tracking shot with this you know very sort of romantic and also period appropriate song like just creates such a a very like indelible impression of like her experience of going through this sort of maze and seeing this like overwhelmingly like impressive guy it's yeah. it's a really good scene oh that's great. Yeah. I have to watch Goodfellas for you sure. Do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh-huh. I've seen Goodfellas. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen Goodfellas. Uh-huh. Every time someone says Goodfellas, I think The Godfather. Oh. And yeah, different. those are different movies. <laughs> I did see Goodfellas. Um, well, I, I, I recommend revisiting the scene. I have to revisit it for sure. <laughs> I watched you it know, like two years ago. Okay, I get it. <laughs> like, Overlap, in, you know, in some subject matter there. That's understandable. <laughs> but yeah, Goodfellas, not The Godfather. Copacabana scene with the tracking shot. Highly recommend. 
what about you? What was your your gateway track? Oh God! So it it was truly a gateway <laughs> track because this song was not in the movie. Oh, um, this was one of those. Uh, we're gonna put it in the credits songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal or Kiss by a Rose. Um, one Kiss of those prepositions. Kiss by a Rose, like Bana. Kiss by yes, yeah, Kiss by a Rose, um, by Seal, which is featured in the film uh, Batman Forever. I would like to confirm it is Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> it's Kiss from a Rose, but the lyrics are Kissed by it's Kissed by a Rose in the lyrics, but the title mm. of the song is Kiss from a Rose. Okay, can you confirm those lyrics? I'm confirming now. Yes, I'm. I'm looking on on Genius at the moment. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Baby, I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray. What? From. What? Michael, embarrassing. Wait, is there a lyric? Just embarrassing for you. <laughs> Wait, is there a lyric within the song that says, I've been kissed by a rose on the something? Oh, you're right in the bridge. Okay, it's in the bridge. Oh, all right, that's the part of the song that I think of the most. So okay. Okay. I'm a little bit wrong. But, but also a little bit right. But also a little bit right. And that's life. <laughs> that's life. Ain't um, it the truth? Ugh. <laughs> but uh, this is one of those movies that, so I have little notes, um, mm-hmm. came out <laughs> on VHS October 1995, which means I probably watched it for the first time um, in 1996. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, 1996, VHS, you put it in, yeah. you watch the movie, you watch all the credit, you watch the, you know, the <laughs> trailers, and then you watch the movie, and then you, mm. you know, see the credits come up, and normally, you rewind the shit and, you know, go throughout your day, but I sat through the credits because I wanted to know what was happening as a young, <laughs> I was like four or five around this time, um, and... I read the credits, listened to the songs, and I was like, damn, this song really is the movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that song and that movie was my introduction to uh, adult contemporary. And that was my favorite genre as a youth. Uh, adult, well, sure. contem- <laughs> adult contemporary, light FM uh, kind of stuff. Just song of, singing about real problems, you know? Like, yeah. Sometimes you love someone, but you are Batman. And <laughs> Sometimes it's true. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't let people in the same way because it's just like, oh god, mm. like the song is actually about addiction, but um <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's kind of addicted to fighting crime. He's addicted to being Batman. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's true. This movie was fucking deep. Um it's so it, true. And man, it was I my missed... favorite movie at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I miss VHS days because yeah, it was there's something very special about sitting through a bunch of shitty trailers before you get to watch the movie. Yeah. And then letting it play through the end and like seeing the the soundtrack list. Oh, because you don't you don't do that when you're streaming. It's like the minute the movie's no. over, you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna switch this off, go watch something else on Netflix. Yeah, the screen shrinks as yeah. the credits come up. And it's just like, I have to know those people's names. Like, they matter, you know? <laughs> Who's the hard. best boy, you know? 
<laughs> and that's what I'm constantly asking myself in the mirror. Who's the best boy? Who's the best boy? <laughs> you are the best boy. Best boy grip. Best boy electric. <laughs> I really love that. Um, now I've got to say for our, our second choices for soundtrack, um, I'm going to have to take umbrage with this a little bit because um, dear listener, Michael did try to establish some strict rules. When we first I like came rules. Up with the idea of doing this episode, one of which was no songs for musicals. It has to just be like existing songs that are on the soundtrack. And then guess what? This fucker told me last night was one of their choices. A song from a fucking musical. Breaking their own rules. Okay, so I'm just going to jump in because we need to talk <laughs> about it. And you will understand, dear listener. Um, you know, I was like, I don't want to pick a Disney movie. And I don't want to pick Anastasia. I have to pick Prince of Egypt as a soundtrack. And honestly, a concept. Um, because... I that was the first time I was like, oh, I'm maturing. Um, this isn't like all those kid movies that I watched. This isn't Little Mermaid. This isn't. This is a story. This is a movie and a, about mythology. This is a story all about how his life got twisted upside down. It truly, you know, he was put in a boat, and you know, uh like it's so true. I'm a, I oof, and he did. God. He was making trouble in his neighborhood. Yeah. He was making trouble because Egypt was his was his neighborhood. That was his neighborhood. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, the song, there's a, so this is one of those that has, you know, the pop single and, you know, the soundtrack is stacked. There's Brian Stokes Mitchell, Afra Haza, there's uh, 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 Hans Zimmer, Casey and Jojo, but uh, the track of tracks, uh, When You Believe, uh, sung by Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, uh, composed by Stephen Schwartz and fucking Babyface lyrics by Babyface. Um, like me and my sister would play this VHS like homeschooled, so every day back to back, and we'd alternate the singing parts. Um, but like when you believe that song, like mind you, I'm like a big. I was a big Ten Commandments head as a child. Like, I would watch that fucking four-hour movie all the time. Um, and so... God, a homeschool you, child obsessed with the Ten Commandments and adult contemporary music. You're giving me, like... You mean to tell me there's a cartoon version of my favorite movie with more songs and sung by Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey and Ooh. Val Kilmer? Form also known as Batman, is I... my f- Moses. <laughs> it's too Look much hype. <laughs> too much fucking hype in 1999. Mm, it's so true. Uh, what about you? What What was your too much fucking hype? <laughs> <laughs> um, before I get into my too much fucking hype, I did want to note that I also really loved. Um, that I also really loved this movie. Um, because I had a big crush on Ray Fiennes as a young person. And I shared with you, Michael, last night um, what Ray Fiennes' full name is. 
And I do think that I owe it to the audience to make sure that they also know his full name. Oh, <clears throat> wait, um, can I can I try to remember it? Oh, please. Uh, Rafe. Mm-hmm. Murgatroyd. Mm-hmm. Higgleton. Bungalow. Mm-hmm. Fines. Cumberbatch. Honestly, not that far off. Not that far off? <laughs> His full name is Rafe. Spelled Ralph. Pronounced Rafe. Rafe. Nathaniel. Twistleton. Ah! Fines. God, <laughs> I forgot about the Twizzler part of his name. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to to add that in in case anyone was curious. Um, I do think it's a just a beautiful name. <laughs> we love British names here. Um, we do. So, uh, so despite the fact that I was previously banned from choosing something from a musical, I'm sorry. Once I, I saw not. that you chose something from a musical. <laughs> And you specifically framed it as something that was like, you know, an early, early thing that mattered uh, to us. I had to go with the 1955 movie adaptation of Guys and Dolls. Um, I have been doing theater since I was a wee child. Um, oh, that was my first play. Oh, I, I did it in middle school. And <sighs> my... <laughs> My parents, even before I did it in middle school, when I was real little, my parents, you know, what they knew I liked musicals because I had like seen community theater productions and stuff. They're not big movie people, but they're like, yeah, we'll go to Blockbuster and we'll like pick up a couple of musicals for her to see. Yeah. And we were going on a road trip either to Florida or North Carolina to see my grandparents. And they used to do this thing where they bought like a cheapo TV with a um, VHS slot. And they would hook it up in, because it was an older car, so it had a cigarette lighter in it. So they'd hook it up in the cigarette lighter to power it. And they would like stack it on like books and shit in the back seat. And so I would play like VHS tapes from Blockbuster when we did these like long drives to North Carolina. <laughs> and so That's I watched. so fucking cool. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> it was, they were truly my, you know, I got to hand it to them. They were they were crafty in figuring out how to not have annoying kids God. on a long car drive. God. Oh my god. I I wanted my parents to buy a car with a TV in it or put mm. a TV in the car. And I was just like this is dumb cuz like my mom's way of keeping us quiet was just the concept of the quiet car. She's like in the car, <laughs> you can't talk. Those are just the rules. We have oh, to wow. listen to smooth jazz and be quiet. <laughs> Those are the rules. <laughs> I won't be yeah. happy if you talk. Like, <laughs> yeah, my parents uh, were a bit more pushovers than, than that. So, you know, they got crafty. They used so that jealous. that cigarette lighter to its fullest advantage. <laughs> wow! The TV happened. The TV happened. My dad listened to conservative talk radio, and I watched Guys and Dolls in the back seat. What a dream! <laughs> <laughs> It was an interesting <laughs> confluence of influences. <laughs> what would so, yeah. you say was your track of tracks <clears throat> in this film? God, there's so many. I think that, you know, when we include some clips for the listener, I think it's got to be 
Luck Be a Lady. It was my introduction to Marlon Brando, which is huge, of course. Mm. But, you know, I had a lot. I loved Miss Adelaide. So I loved uh, the poison can develop a cold. Oh, loved Adelaide, Adelaide. Cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sue me. Oh, God. Frank Sinatra with his stuffed butt in those pants. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Lots of choices, I but I think it's got to be. It's good. I mean, you know, you've got like a really good singer playing the character who doesn't sing very much, and then you've got a pretty bad singer playing the character with all the romantic solos. <laughs> that being Sinatra and Marlon Brando, respectively. But, you know, Brando's cool. He's playing a cool guy in his cool, so it works. Oh, what a good highly one. recommend. Very Definitely good. will check that one out. <laughs> you should, you should. So I feel like we covered a lot of ground and mm -hmm. there's so much with, with just, just, just four songs. Yeah. So really quick, um, <laughs> what are some other, let's cover some more soundtracks. So yeah. hit me with one that uh, maybe, uh, maybe the movie's corny, mm. but the soundtrack is is fire well yeah we both said we wanted to come up with sort of like our five favorites yes um two of mine including this one i'm just about to talk about <laughs> um are very hard to track down um legally uh because of their soundtracks i believe um <laughs> i know for a fact with one of them and i think it's the case with this one as well uh so this is a 1978 hal ashby movie called coming home um, it stars Jane Fonda and John Voight before he went crazy. And mm. it's about, he plays like um, an injured Vietnam veteran who comes home and becomes like anti-war. She plays an officer's wife who, while he is gone in Vietnam, has an affair with John Voight and sort of like comes into her own as a woman. Um, it's an interesting movie. It's not a, a perfect movie by any means. Um, and the soundtrack is... <laughs> very on the nose it's like all of the biggest hits of you know that era um so i mean for example it's got strawberry fields forever it's got um you know just like a woman the dylan song it's got aretha franklin singing save me it's got um you know it's got hendrix it's got jefferson airplane it's got the stones it's got simon and garfunkel it's truly like a who's who of everyone who had like hits at the time um, oh wow yeah, and like doesn't always work. Like there is um a sequence. I was just rewatching the movie the other day. There's a sequence where they play Sympathy for the Devil. Plays the full song. <laughs> and I mean it's cutting wow. back and forth between a scene where like a guy is like also like strumming manically on a guitar and like maybe it's kind of works cuz he's having like a mental breakdown and you've got these like sounds all clashing. It kind of more seems like I don't think he needed the full song in this part. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's a, it can be a little rough around the edges at times, this movie, but it is one that I really love. And um, I think for maybe my favorite uh, needle drop on it be uh, the song Call On Me uh, by Big Brother and the Holding Company with Janis Joplin. Because um, the movie, you know, while it is like a kind of serious political film in parts, it's also like a really lovely romance um, and that works really well, but I, it is, you know, you have to get 
creative to find it these days. Um, and I think that that is in part because that they it would be very expensive to play, pay for all these songs and re-release. <laughs> ah, God, you can never do that today. I, I feel to uh, like with yeah. a soundtrack. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, you know, I have worked in you know repertory film. Um, like for example, a few years ago at the theater where I was working, we were opening a restoration of the Coen Brothers movie Blood Simple. Um, and it had been in like a sort of weird limbo for a while because it was simply too expensive to pay for um, the rights to one of the songs used in the soundtrack. And so for years on like home releases, they had like subbed in a different song. And it was a big deal that like in this theatrical re-release, they were putting back in the song that was originally intended. So, I mean, that that is, you know, one of the advantages of having an original score rather than using existing yeah. songs is that does simplify things a bit because there's a lot of legal hoops to jump through when you're using someone else's music. That's so fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what about you? What would be your next uh, soundtrack that you that you love? Um, so one that I have written down is uh, the soundtrack to drive um it's just bursting at the seams with mm. uh, a lot of bangers uh lots of 80s style synth pop uh french french touch adjacent you know european pop um mm. you know electronic music and shit like that um the movie is fine um it's you know some y'all are familiar dear listener you're you're familiar with drive i know you've probably seen it or you're familiar with it um honestly the soundtrack it's the best part of the movie um the main needle drop you're probably familiar with a real hero by college and electric youth um this is one of those that introduced me to a lot of artists that have a cinematic sound and while you know i've been introduced to them through this movie the rest of their albums feel like fully realized worlds um and you know soundtracks for movies that don't exist which is it's really nice it's like i feel like watching a movie but i don't want to watch a movie i'll put this on um but uh yeah drive for anyone that doesn't know about it it's about a guy he's a bad guy he wants to stop doing bad stuff he meets a girl. She's nice. She's got a kid, so we like her more. And uh, he's not good, but he's, you know, I'll act good. And so he acts good, and she's like, I think he's cute. Um, but then he keeps trying to get away from uh, his bad life, but the bad life keeps dragging him back in. Mm. And the whole film erupts into, uh, you know, a big explosion of violence. Um, if you've seen the movie Thief, or you've seen the movie The Samurai, you've, or you've seen the movie Ghost Dog, which is good. Um, you've seen Drive. Um, so, yeah, Ruffin is one that whatever you think of him as a director, he is a fun guy for making a playlist. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Give him that. <laughs> uh, how about you? Hit me with another one. What else do you have in the tank? Right. So. My second one of the movies that are hard to find because of their soundtracks is um, a really, really wonderful Claire Denis movie from 1994 called U.S. Go Home. Um, 
It was originally made for French TV. There was, um, God, what what was the name of? There was a series of of TV movies made by some of like the biggest French directors of the era. I think the series was called um, "Tous les garçons et les filles de leur âge," uh, so all the boys and girls of our time. Um, and you know, it was all sort of like youth focused pictures. Um, so this is another one that's set in the sixties, even though it was like made in 94. Um, so it's another one that uses a ton of like amazing sixties needle drops. Like, I mean, it's got like, you know, animals doing house of the rising sun. It's got, you know, it's got the yard birds. It's got, um, just a, a bunch of, you know, big people from that era, um, and this one is, I have heard, I, I was assuming when it came to Coming Home, but this is one that I have heard that they can't re-release because there are just so many, like, huge songs that play out. God in damn. Full. <laughs> yeah. And apparently Denis is like, no, I made the movie that I want to make, so I'm not changing the songs. <laughs> that rules. Like, I love yeah, that. It's great. No, and it's amazing. We showed it when I was working at the Brooklyn Academy of Music a few years ago. We did a big Claire Denis series, and we got very lucky that we were able to show a print of it there. And it is... Honestly, Claire Denis is one of my favorite living directors. I think it might be her best film. <laughs> so it's wow. kind of depressing that it's so hard to find. But much like with Coming Home, if you want to get creative, you can find it. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, feel free to DM me. Um, and one of the needle drops that I really like in this one is I mentioned earlier um you know, liking the uh, the music cue from the Royal Tenenbaums when uh, Margot walks to These Days by Nico. Uh, These Days is also used in uh, U.S. Go Home in a really, really beautiful sequence. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a movie about... It's such a subtly observed movie about these girls going through this transition from adolescence to being young adults. And it, yeah, it's just very, very poignant when this song drops. So I recommend, uh, yeah, getting creative and <laughs> and watching U.S. Go Home. Oh, I that I definitely have to check that one out. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Claire Denis, um, but I also think it's great that we can provide a service to our listeners <laughs> uh, to help them find these kinds of of movies that do not. That are not as easily, that aren't as easily available. Yeah, this is not popping up on Netflix anytime soon. But if you, you know, if you know places to look, you can find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you've also got another '60s set movie. Yes, um, I have Jackie from 2016. Um, the trailer features the, I guess the finale or one of the one of the songs from Camelot, which is another musical film that I really, really love. Mm. Um, but, and I believe there's a song from Camelot that plays during the movie. Yeah, um, but gets, I actually uh, trashed and puts on all her dresses. Oh yeah, she gets drunk and she's like wandering around the, yeah. the White House and she's just miserable. That's such a great sequence. It's so good. It's, it's great. It is great. I think the, the last time I watched Jackie... Uh, this is one that I rewatch and reread. Um, mm. The last time I watched Jackie was two years ago during the pandemic. It was mm. so sad. <laughs> I had just been furloughed from I, I 
And I was like, you know what? Let's go all the way down, baby. <laughs> uh, so I did. I l- watched this movie with my friend Anupa. And, oh, God damn. The soundtrack, uh, the actual soundtrack. Um, and so, you know, made by, uh, who, who does this? Mika Levy. Mm-hmm. Um, is so good. And I, I wanted to stray away from scores but the score to this is. This, yeah, I was this, gonna say once again your rule. <laughs> once no again, <laughs> breaking a rule. Um, rule. <laughs> I know. I I have some. Yeah. Um, You're both authority and the rebel to authority in this. Episode. I know. I'm. I'm. What am I? Ah, God. You're a complicated person. That's what you are. I just. I love this score so much. It is so sad. So. Yeah listening to the soundtrack apart from the movie um Mika Levy also did uh, Under the Skin which mm-hmm. has a soundtrack that you know the movie's I like the movie but the soundtrack I think is superior just it mm-hmm. it makes the movie so much better um I think the score for for Jackie is just you hear it and it kind of sounds like it was inspired by uh Camelot and it has the feeling of just like the the Camelot soundtrack being played in slow motion underwater. Um, I don't know if it's possible to have a fire and drown at the same time, but it's it just sounds yeah, it just sounds like a like a dream dying, um, and or a, you know a, a delusion, just kind of disintegrating um and and the movie you know the subject matter dealing with complex grief and you know all the things that happen when a person is assassinated and uh yeah Yeah. this movie puts me in a real dark place (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's an interesting i think pairing also with um coming home that like you know there is that sort of like end of innocence feeling um like the unraveling of a lot of american myths um yeah i love that yeah that's got a great Uh, soundtrack speaking of the unraveling of uh (laughs) american uh, lots of general unraveling in this next one (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. um (laughs) what is your third film okay so my my last of our of our choices is uh, 2001's David Lynch film, Mulholland Drive. Love it. Love this choice. Love yeah. this choice so hard. Sound- <laughs> David Lynch has so many great soundtracks, and he's such an important, uh, I think, soundtrack director. Yeah, and this one I think is interesting because, again, we said we weren't going to talk about scores, but it does have a great score, um, very sort of like dark and disturbing score. Um, But I wanted to focus on the use of the, there are a few different um, songs that are used to like great effect in the movie. But I mean, the one that I always think of that I watched the video of on YouTube, maybe once a week, once every two weeks, is um, Rebecca Del Rio singing Llorando. Um, So it's a Spanish uh, version of the Roy Orbison song, Crying. Uh, that she sings a cappella in this very strange, nightmarish scene 
in a nearly empty theater with our, our two main women watching her on stage. And then before the song ends, she like collapses onto the stage and the song continues playing. It's very spooky, very unsettling, very moving. Um, Cause we're intercut between her face with this like heavy makeup and this like, God, beautifully like pained expression that she makes as she's singing cutting between her and between the women crying and holding hands as they watch her. Um, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite ever, ever movie scenes. And I think it's one of the great sort of like uses of an existing song in in a movie. Oh, I absolutely agree. It's <laughs> such a perfect scene, uh, especially just independent of the whole piece. Ah, what a perfect choice. If (laughs) this episode had a winner for perfect choice, I think Jorando is, that's it. That's Eh. it. That's that's gotta be it. Well, I appreciate that, but I will say that your last choice is also really good. Ah, okay. So, Superfly, 1972. Mm -hmm. Um, This was really hard for me uh, because there are so many blaxploitation films with amazing soundtracks, but uh, the Superfly soundtrack is one that this soundtrack is so good and the individual mm-hmm. songs from this soundtrack are so good that they're featured in other movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, the first time I think I ever heard Pusher Man was actually on an episode of The Simpsons. Amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then I was like, what's the song? I gotta listen to the soundtrack. And so I listened to the soundtrack a lot before actually seeing the movie uh, a couple years ago. And the movie, you know, I like the movie. I was like, all right, cool. Like, mm-hmm. that's Superfly, you know, black exploitation film of its era, of its time. Um, but yeah, uh, this is one I, I love because it's, it's, because I have an independent relationship with the actual soundtrack and, mm. you know, listen to it when I listen to other things from that time. Mm. Um, What's going on? Black Moses, Let's yeah. Stay Together, like all really ins- influential soul albums of the period. Mm-hmm. Um, and with you know a lot of these black exploitation films, the soundtrack is the fucking movie. Um, yeah. So the notable track that I have for this one is "Freddy's Dead." Um, God, I encourage you, dear listener, to listen to. Uh, if you can find a deluxe uh, soundtrack somewhere that has how they promoted the film also, um, you should definitely listen to it because it has Curtis Mayfield like advertising the movie. <laughs> hey, like cats, you know, shit, shit that they said in the 70s. I can't yeah. I can't do Curtis Mayfield justice <laughs> at all. Um, but um, a couple of bonus picks that i'll also say i'm breaking a rule i'm sorry i'm breaking no go for it go for it do it uh there's the shaft soundtrack there's the coffee soundtrack and there's the three the hard way soundtrack which is also so good um also curtis mayfield um because he's part of the impressions who you know they do the titular three the hard way song oh god just so many fucking bangers within this uh so good within this genre i came very close to picking shaft Oh, God. If only for the moment in the title song of uh, They Say This Cat Shaft is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. 
I'm talking about Shaft. Talking about and we can do. <laughs> <laughs> that oh. never fails to make me smile. I fucking love it so much. But yeah, these oh. are all so good. There, oh. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this more, and I feel like we've talked about so much already. So. Oh God, we should start to wrap up. But before yeah, we do, I just, I just want to know if you have any other uh, bonus ones. Just quick, rapid fire. What are some soundtracks or composers or uh, scores that you just love? Just say them. Maybe um, we'll talk about them in the future. Maybe we won't. Yeah, I mean, since I did follow the rules and not do scores, I will say to, as I mentioned before, George Delarue, all of his work. Um, that he did with Truffaut. I love um, Nino Rota's scores for Fellini's films are some yeah. of my favorites, especially his um, Casanova score. Casanova, I think, is like one of Fellini's most underrated movies. It's one of my absolute favorites. And that score is just incredible. Um, yeah, I think those are two that I find myself putting on a lot. Oh, gosh. All right. yeah. we gotta add those to the playlist um oh, we will and i'm just gonna throw in a couple more and then i'm gonna shut the fuck up yeah okay all right so the crow soundtrack from uh the early 90s i forget what year specifically but that's a soundtrack that has a lot of uh just it's a really great compilation of grunge songs from that time and you know, everyone's talking all this shit about like, oh, the Batman has a Nirvana song. And it's just like, <laughs> watch The Crow, because that movie was this movie that everyone's uh. losing their shit about. Like the movie that everyone loves came out decades ago. Um, So watch that. Listen to that soundtrack. <laughs> it was actually, you know, of in the time. In people's defense, I will say I have still not watched The Crow because it feels so macabre to do it. <laughs> but yeah you know you gotta uh maybe just not think about context <laughs> yeah <laughs> well go <so> innocent <laughs> i would rather watch that movie than watch a movie that's inspired by that movie and pretending to be an, uh, its own thing um Very but it, it's fine i don't want to dunk on it um <laughs> and then uh, I, romeo plus you can dunk on it <laughs> oh okay um and then romeo plus juliet young hearts run free um kim mazel so good and the last but not least uh the ten commandments score by <laughs> elmer bernstein i fucking love this movie imagine yeah. being five and being obsessed <laughs> with this shit uh. oh that's a good one yeah i will say you know if i can add one more score another that i Please do, do find myself listening to all the time is um the score for vertigo God. that's a good one Bernard Herrmann, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <Good> stuff. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this again. We have to. We shouldn't yeah. mention any more songs before no. this goes on another hour. Um, up. So please know uh, that we will have a playlist on Apple Music and Spotify uh, titled mm -hmm. Everyone is Hot Motion Picture Soundtrack Volume 1. So please be sure to check that out. Hell yeah. And uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram and on Twitter at everyoneishotpod. That's everyone as a numeral one, not a winnie. Everyone is hot pod. Please follow us and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're going to leave less than five stars, 
go fuck yourself. Please do. Um, <laughs> and no music. Fuck yourself. Yeah. Acapella. No music for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Silence. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Well, Michael, this has been just delightful. Shelly, an honor, a privilege, <laughs> an officer, and a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And is there anything that the listeners should do? Stay horny. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.